Hello, everybody. Welcome to another spectacular episode of the Collective Podcast. My name is Ashthorpe. This is going to be episode 79 with my buddy Benjamin Last, who is a multi-talented concept artist and vehicle designer. In this episode, we discuss his continent-spanning career in the automotive industry, working with massive companies such as Cadillac, Chevrolet, and GMCs, to name a few. We have a good back and forth about his processes for approaching different tasks, the age-old argument of 2D versus 3D, and where his alliances lie. Benjamin also shares some of his awesome stories from his travels around the world, which feed his creative spirit. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at thecollectivepodcast.com forward slash audible. This is going to be episode 79 with Benjamin Last. Let's roll. What's up, buddy? How are you? Yeah, good man. You? Yeah? <sighs> I'm good. I'm tired. I'm really exhausted. Yeah. Physical stuff, mostly. Physical? You're still working away like a boss? Yeah, just the jujitsu. I'm training a lot is why. So training like oh, yeah. every morning and then sometimes I go at night too. Really? So you're going more often now? Yeah, like I'm going five to six times a week now instead oh, of instead of like that? one time a week. <laughs> Wow, yeah, yeah, I remember you wanted to pick it back up. That's really cool. Yeah, I'm stoked. Yeah, so I'm just, yeah, I'm just a little tired. How about yourself, though? How's everything going? Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Like, finally, all the pieces are falling together, and apart from, like, sitting here with a knee bandaged up and got to get that ACL fixed in a week or two, hopefully, so I can get back into boxing and and working out because it's just been a killer. What exactly happened? How did that injury come about? I have no idea. <laughs> that's, a, that's the thing. I think when we were in Croatia, I was messing around, jumping off the side of boats. And I think I did something to it, like just by being an idiot, pretty much. Like it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. Didn't notice it until we had gotten back to, um, to Berlin. And then I think I must have just twisted my knee in a funny position. And I just spurred it on and heard a snap and then couldn't walk for about two days. And this was just as I'd started in um, in the new studio, um, which is really cool, but it was also a bit of a pain. So, yeah, not quite sure. I've been going to the physio pretty regularly to, um, to try to deal with it. And now it turns out I think I need to get a repair, get surgery just to repair the tear in the knee. So, yeah, fun time. Yeah. <clears throat> That's a real tough one I think I've heard to, um, like, come back from it's because of the... Yeah, I mean, I was pretty much told, the guy said to me, what do you do for a living? I'm like, well, I draw. And he's like, well, you can probably get away with not having it fixed. He's like, unless you're a professional like athlete or you want to maintain an active life. I'm like, well, what's the choice in that? He's like, yeah, <laughs> I may not be a professional athlete, but I still like to you know, <laughs> keep active. And he's like, you can run in a straight line. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I think I'll get it fixed. I mean, they're, pretty, they're pretty chilled in um, Germany, like dealing with German doctors. Like in Australia, it's pretty common because most people play or like rugby pretty into stuff. sports, yeah, rugby and um, Australian rules football. The, the ACL tear is pretty common from like getting tackled. So, yeah, you know, I want to be able to run around later on in life. I don't want to get to like 50 and have a gammy knee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What exactly is the procedure to fix that, do you know? They just get in there and... Um, I, think it, I think it's keyhole. I'm hoping it's keyhole surgery. So, I don't think it's a... From what I understand, I don't think it's a huge deal um, for the surgery. But okay. that's, you know, I probably should look into it a little bit more. I've kind of been like just neglecting it and just sort of having it bandaged up and just hobbling around and 
just <laughs> trying to ignore it by sitting down and drawing. I'm yeah. just thankful that it wasn't my arm. Yeah, we're lucky though. We do just sit around all the time. You know, like we're not, the thing that we do isn't like abusive on our body really. I mean, it is, actually it is pretty pretty bad just sitting. I heard that we're, pr- we're more, more prone to get colon cancer people that sit around and work all day which makes sense because all this you know we're just yeah. sitting in our own shit all day long no, just yeah just, <laughs> just chewing in your own juices office well, pigs yeah you gotta have your you gotta have a good chair i remember um in some of the car design studios we had really good like air on chairs um which were nice they had that mesh so you get some like breathability to your back and the back of your legs and there's yeah. no real solid pressure point like on a rigid chair yeah pushing into you but like yeah some of the guys at the studio i'm at at the moment have got rsi and another guy's come down with carpal tunnel mm. syndrome so i think they're like out of work for six months pretty much wow six months yeah and these guys are intense and this is from just using a tablet so i'm like wow how hard were you drawing yeah <laughs> balls. Yeah, yeah that's, that's intense, man. Uh, I can't imagine doing... I guess that makes sense. I have this application on my computer that helps with RSI. Um, it, sometimes it annoys me because it just comes up and, and it tells me to take a break when I'm like really focused. Yeah. But it's called... Um, what is it called? Anti-RSI. It's a little application that's on my Apple computer and it just pops up and just says like, hey, take a 10-minute break uh, <laughs> or t- take a 10-second break every 10 or 15 minutes. You can set the the timer for whatever but um it actually is really good you know it just reminds me to get up and like stretch my back out really quick and then get back to work and then every hour or so i think it tells me to take a three minute break and so i try to get up and walk around the house and get some water yeah Yeah, i have a hard time listening to it though um sometimes (laughs) i'm just like fuck off like i have other things i gotta do like but then sometimes uh if I'm really doing well and I'm in a good flow, I'm able to allow myself to take the break and stuff. But yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't know. I'm just curious about that. Um, you know, what's going on with your health and stuff too, because every, it seems like everybody has their own kind of thing that they're going through health wise. And it's just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, besides from the name, I'm pretty good. Uh, thank goodness for that. Like touch wood. <laughs> Because it's just, you know, trying, I think, trying to eat healthy and work out regularly because, you know, sitting down all day is just a killer and just making time. Like you said, I mean, that app sounds cool, but sometimes when you're in the flow, you just ignore everything and then like three and a half, four hours has passed, you're like, I haven't moved. Yeah, yeah. I haven't moved and I can feel just sweat puddling. <laughs> Dude, you got to get some circulation. Just put a fan under your ass. Just there. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm sweaty dude. <laughs> yeah, me too. I sweat like crazy. Yeah, I know. I've uh, experienced it firsthand. Well, speaking of Spain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he's, uh, for those who are listening, he's referring to the time that I was out in Barcelona and we got a chance to hang out. Uh, so give a little back history to everybody that's listening and, and how I got to know Ben. I uh, was working out. I got hired on a job with Audi, I think it was, and I was out in um, Berlin. And did somebody introduce us or did we just kind of know people together? Like just I through think- the internet. I'm pretty sure we had spoken briefly on Facebook okay. um, beforehand, and I can't remember what about. I think it was something to do with probably Akira or something. I have no idea how we originally got onto it. And I remember you said you were coming out, and I just, I just shot you an email, and I think That's we right. just met up at like a kebab place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really cool. I just, Schwama. 
<laughs> yeah, I shawarma. I'm, I'm addicted to those. I, I had just yeah. landed and I just got to the hotel and it was a really wonderful hotel and then um, I didn't have phone service. So we just I hit you up, I think, just using the Wi-Fi via Facebook and, and we met up and it was rad. Like it was, it's, it's kind of cool when you meet somebody for the first time, but it feels like you've known one another for a while. There's just a lot of commonalities yeah. and I felt that um, there was really no... There was none of that weird sorting out who you are kind of thing. Yeah. You know, it was just like, yeah, dude, cars and art. This is awesome, you know, and, and uh, we had a lot of fun just hanging out. And you and your wife are just so rad and so kind and, like, open to showing me, like, the city and the things that I'm you not married yet. Huh? Well, I haven't even proposed yet. Yeah, that's right. I just <laughs> consider her to be your wife because, yeah. I don't know, I just... I always look at you guys as that. We're talking about Rachel, his uh, fiance or long-term girlfriend, which you better freaking put a ring on her, man. You know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we just hung out. We had a lot of fun. It was really cool getting to know. This is the first time I was in Europe. It's the first time I was ever, obviously, in, in Germany, and I'm part German, so that was a lot of a lot of cool things to see. I love German culture and um, the precision of the culture and stuff, and the yeah, it's just a really special group of people. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting, and there's some heritage that I have from my lineage and stuff that I was really stoked to see. And yeah, it was fucking amazing. Berlin is definitely like one of the coolest cities I've ever been to, hands down. Like it's to me, it's the equivalent of San Francisco, like America is San Francisco, like times a hundred. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because it feels it feels bigger. Obviously, it is. I think and. Um, it just there's so much more heritage, and not to say that San Francisco doesn't have it has a ton of it. Um, it just I don't know. It was just a really wonderful. It was a really great trip, and and we just retain we we remained uh, friends after that too. It was great, and and then I ended, ended up coming back out there <laughs> to yeah. Barcelona like pretty recently too, and that was a lot of fun. And, yeah, that was uh, cool catching up with you and Anthony. Yeah, definitely. But it was just it was rad, and 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 ever since we talked, we just had really great conversations. And I'm I'm always been like, let's get on the podcast, let's have a talk. And um, I think you're a little bit more reserved because you wanted to have more of your work out there to kind of get exposed for people to be aware of who you are and make it relevant and stuff. And now I think you're at a good place. And and um, for those that are listening, you want to give them like a little heads up of like what you've been busy doing and kind of, you know, I know you've been busy with a lot of traveling and stuff and where you're at now and stuff, but where you're at creatively and, and where you've gone and, and a little bit of yeah. your things, just so people get a better understanding of like the Blasty yeah. that I know. <laughs> I, you're my, your, your nickname for me is Blasty. So. Yeah, Blasty. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Blasty. Yeah. Blasty. Yeah. I won't say the nickname I have for you. Say <laughs> just that, say but, it, dude. It's okay. <laughs> say it. Uh, Shawarma dude. boy. Shawarma boy, yeah. It's a safe <laughs> one. It's a safe word. Oh, dude. No, because I think when you came out here, I mean, Berlin was probably, like, if you were going to come to Europe, probably one of the best, like, intros um, to break your European virginity, I think, because it's such a cool city. <laughs> I mean, out of, out of all the places I've traveled in Europe, like, it's pretty, pretty unique. And also, yeah, I mean, the... The history of the place, um, you know, for something that was, you know, considered such an evil place during World War Two, yeah, to like what it is now, being this like cultural sort of hub and a, a hub of Europe that's for the arts and known as being quite liberal in um, in the way that it thinks and its politics. So, I mean, I think that's influenced a lot of 
I mean, why I moved here as well, besides, you know, moving from um, Australia where I was working for General Motors to um, Volkswagen over here in uh, Germany. But yeah, I think that was about the time when I had, I think I was working for a couple of months at Volkswagen. It was pretty cool. But Yeah, let's I think explain I your working setup and how much you commuted and all that stuff because you had a pretty wicked commute and... and- Oh man, it was insane. <laughs> I mean, I had the choice to live in to live in Berlin, but the uh, design center for Volkswagen, um, the main the headquarters, is in Wolfsburg, which is about like normally it would be a. I think it's about an hour and ten minutes on the high speed train, which is cruising along at like two hundred and fifty k's an hour. <laughs> what's that? Crazy. I think that's like one hundred and sixty <laughs> miles. I'm not sure what the conversion is between. It's about so, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's pretty good, but they'd been flooding um, right when we moved here, so it ends up being about three and a half hours each way. So I was looking at like oh. seven hours a day return. I don't know how I did it or why I did it. <laughs> yeah, you're, it's pretty much similar to the time of commute that I did with Prologue. So it was yeah. cool. Like we had some kind of like, we had some like, yeah, I understand, I understand you. Like I, I get that because <laughs> the yeah. commute was ridiculous. I was like, oh, dude, intense. <laughs> I, I remember chatting to you about that and just like strategies for utilizing that time and yes. just you know reading reading books and you know we chatted about a lot of books like those maximize your day to day and I think things that you quite regularly talk about on the podcasts and yes. you know just you know you've got that spare time the difference was I wasn't driving in a car which is I guess kind of a wasted time I used to do that commute a fair bit when I was working at General Motors and it is. It's, you just get angry just sitting in the car in traffic, whereas at least on a train, like, you can pull out a book or you can I love sketch. that, yeah. It was, I mean, at the same time, it was quite therapeutic, but, you know, seven hours sitting and then going to work and working where you're expected to put in insane amount of hours to get some cars done was just sort of at that tether. I mean, I was coming from GM where... I sort of was just stagnating. You get to the point where you've been working somewhere and even though it was like my dream job, you know. And this always, is out in Melbourne? Yeah, yeah, out yeah. in Melbourne. GM had a, has a design studio out there um, that works on all the, all the GM brands, so Chevrolet, Cadillac. And, I mean, we did the Camaro there, the, uh, the production version of the Camaro that came out or Camaro. Have you guys were saying it? However you want to say it, buddy. Say it right. Yeah, well, the same way. And I mean, that was an awesome job. Um, you know, when I look back at it, I got to the last car I was working on, was doing sketches and did a clay model for the C7 Corvette, the new Corvette that's out. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's so the like, best looking one since like the Stingray, I think. Oh, dude, it was, yeah, it, it, it came out really, really well. Like that was quite an impressive car for like the price <laughs> that they're selling it for. Yeah, yeah. But having that experience and like stagnating, like I was, I wanted to head over to the US to work over there. But then also had that thing at the same time where I mean, I I went to university to study study industrial design because I wanted to work in film and games as a concept artist. But it kind of wasn't that industry in Melbourne uh, at the time. I mean, there was stuff happening up in Sydney because they were doing. Uh, the Matrix. They were filming The Matrix and Star Wars episodes one, two, and three. They did a lot of filming up in Sydney at uh, I think it was Fox Studios because at that time the Australian government tax held, breaks and stuff. Yeah, it was tax breaks. Everybody was filming up in Sydney, and I just remember being exposed to that in high school and going, "Oh yeah, <laughs> you can get paid to draw stuff for films." And like I remember, it was only till I was chatting to you. I remember some of like the key artworks from those films, like. Uh, like those mech suits and I didn't even realize it was Jeff Darrow yeah I'm like holy crap that's Jeff Darrow I'm like huh yeah 
Oh, it went so long without it was realizing. like Jeff and George Hall and, and a few yeah, other yeah. guys, obviously. But yeah, they really pushed a lot of weight and responsibility visually on Jeff's intuition and stuff, which is really great. Yeah, it's such insane stuff. I just remember redrawing these stuff for like high school projects. Going, nah, <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm drawing this. <laughs> just being told that. He's a funny guy. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Sir, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. So I'm just wanting to make sure that people are getting a good understanding of how much you've traveled and where you've been and what you're, you've accomplished. Because, yeah, we're, is it what's it, the C7? Is that what it is? The yeah, Corvette? C7. That yeah. should be the, the latest Corvette. I mean, it was all done in the U.S., but in when we were working in Australia, like as a design team there, we were sort of briefed and, and worked on pretty much every car that comes out, like as a you know global studio you you get invited to sketch on all the cars and then it goes to like a review with at the time i think he's still the the head of design for gm ed welburn and he'll just pick a bunch of sketches and then you like execute those into a clay model or could go into a full-size model and then basically you you like sketch battle and model battle out with you know all the studios the one in hollywood uh, the one in detroit Uh, there's a studio in korea and i think there was one in germany as well they mainly did oval stuff it's so, a crazy yeah, uh, amount of work that goes into just the design process, the visualization of process of a car. Oh, dude, it's <laughs> Can you break it down a little bit for somebody that might not be into this world or understand it because it's an immense amount of work? I, get, I understand a little bit of it because I've been around it through like yeah. understanding what you do. But I think for those that don't know, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. Even the simplest of cars, how much work it takes to get. Yeah, it's intense. That crazy yeah, i mean roughly i mean now it depends like the the uh, development life cycle uh, for different companies is is crazy like being at volkswagen the rate that they put their cars out and how quickly they can get their cars out was just staggering when i started but at gm for like i don't know i think for the corvette you know, i was probably working on it it was a couple of years ago now but they would probably spend a year to a year and a half from basically you start sketching on paper to doing your photoshops and doing the, you know, the selection that goes into that would happen for like maybe a month or two until they've whittled down to a couple of really good sketches they like and they go into a, like a scale clay model. So you do a third size to scale clay model of your design and execute that with um, these clay modelers who just do such an insane job or you would do it in Maya or Alias Auto Studio, build a 3D model and then mill that into clay, which is so cool because, you know, uh, you're sitting at your desk and you've got a giant five-axis or three-axis mill in front of you on a plate just milling clay cars out all day long. Hmm. And then cool. basically from that, yeah, yeah, it's cool. They would, you know, if your design was chosen in in a scale model form, it would then be laser scanned or cloud scanned and then remilled at full size one-to-one um, over a clay armature, uh, a clay buck, sorry, which had, you know, these things would cost a fortune because they had full rolling aluminium, um, uh, frames underneath them and you had, you know, you could auto change the wheels and that Volkswagen when they'd have their clay modeling cars, you could actually drive them around like a full-size remote control car. Hmm. So when you did the design, the importance of seeing the car moving because naturally that's how you're going to see it. So you, yeah, you do course. these designs and they'd take them they'd take them down to Spain um, just outside of Barcelona and they'd just drive these big clay cars around like this track and have a look at how they thought the design was uh, moving and still so it was pretty cool that's 
there's yeah the amount of work and time and money and effort it's just crazy <laughs> Dude, and this is like the first it's the first stage yeah i mean then you, you gotta do the, the interior oh uh, yeah <laughs> materials I mean, yeah yeah the guys are doing the interior at the same time and they're doing their clay models and you have color and trim uh, team you know trying to come up with new patterns and looking at the way of implementing new materials into cars and and then you obviously get the the engineers. We have an engineering team. Usually that sits with design, and they're guys who have sometimes generally studied design and also design uh, studied engineering. So they're like the the go between. So designers don't have to directly interact with engineers because you end up just fighting because <laughs> the engineers are like, oh well, your roof doesn't need to be that low. It's going to save this much money if we keep this much high. And you're like, no, fuck that. Yeah, of course. that roof and put twenty two inch wheels on this sucker. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> forty five inch. Yeah, forty-five inch wheels, just like the sketch. And so you have you have this this group of guys that sort of like the go-between that really helps out. And then obviously you've got like when the engineering comes into play, you're constantly going back and forth, moving your design over engineering hard points. And I mean, this is just to get the concept up and like for that of a concept car. And then the actual, I mean, engineering of the car and the back and forth goes on for a year, two years until everything is like perfect <laughs> yeah so which it never is but no no, no <laughs> it's and it's pretty insane and yeah it's, a, it's an interesting industry as well and you see that and you know you've got that car you know say maybe the new volkswagen golf or the new chevy malibu or something's coming out and then basically once you finish the design they haven't even finished engineering it, and then you're working on the facelift and you know, where you're just updating like a bumper or headlights or something like that. It's just... I mean, the things that you wanted to at the beginning, but you just couldn't because there's limitations yeah, well, or... I also think it's just the company's trying to make as much money as possible. <laughs> it's sure. Like just trying, well, just trying to milk a, milk that family of car out for as long as possible. Because um, it costs so much money, though. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't go and retool... Um, a whole car again after three years time because the, the cost of redoing all the tools is just insane whereas if you're only changing over like an injection molded you know plastic bumper and lights which are smaller the investment isn't as big yeah. and you still get like a visual change so yeah it's intense like it's it, there's a couple of years work depending on the company on putting cars out so yeah that was huge so that was a really interesting um, really interesting career I mean I still love it and still love working on cars but you know, you getting moved, different things. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, moving to Volkswagen and that was pretty intense. But I think, you know, the, the move, the drive to move, uh, move and live overseas was, I think, also sort of covering the fact that I really wanted to move back into concept art, which I'd been doing outside of work. And you know, working in auto design is as close as you're going to get. I mean, I went into it seeing how many guys when I was growing up, like Doug Chang and. Um, Sid Mead and all these other concept artists that I love when I was, you know, at the end of high school. And I'm like, what What are they doing? I'm like, ah, you know, did some research and found out everyone did industrial design for the most part. And most people got their start in automotive design because it was the most creative at the time uh, field of what you could do um, after graduating from industrial design. And so it seemed like a, an obvious leeway, but I just uh, hung around for, for quite a while because it was really good experience. Yeah, it's crazy, and you get to learn on you know your boss's dollar, I, I suppose, or the company's dollar. You know, yeah, it's exactly. Ex work experience. Uh, you really can't beat that kind of experience. Understanding that large scale um, manufacturing, like level of making things, because films I think are almost 
all the way opposite because it's just like mm. fly off the cuff, like just going for it and every, nothing's permanent. Everything is just like fake it till you make it kind of style. Yeah. It's like duct tape and glue and mirrors and shit, smoke and mirrors, <laughs> you know, like, whereas you can't put, you cannot do that shit with automotive because people are going to no. die or, you know, like, yeah, exactly. Or they're going to cry or they're yeah. going to die. They're going to cry. Then they're going to die. Or both, yeah. Yeah, well, both combination. <laughs> both combinations. <laughs> it's terrible. I think it's just. I think it's just one of those things when you in the industry. I mean, it was great because a lot of the process is the same from sketching to to going into three D, and you know, then also the fact that you got to develop your designs in like physical three D and clay models. Yeah. And then after that, going into you know animating the cars and doing product renderings and. You know, doing really cool environment paintings for your cars, and I was always pushing when I was a jam. They're like, "Dude, you don't need to spend that much time like <laughs> painting the background and doing some futuristic city." But I'm like, "Ah, come on, <laughs> just let me do it." Yeah. All right, man. There you go. Oh, yeah, right. But yeah, it's just because you're you're. It, well, I think what, you've had the same thing that I've had, and I think a lot of people that are listening is um, a calling for something else. You know, like a desire to do something else. Like you've almost earned your you've only almost like out kept your personal stay you know like your body's like okay yeah. like you we were we prom you promised me we would do this other thing more you know and and then before yeah. you know you're getting in trouble for like doing it on the job when you're not supposed to be doing that you know exactly. <laughs> or getting shit from it but yeah it's that's the whole thing as well man i mean you've got limited time and working as an employee for a company was i mean and there are great companies out there but from sure. my experience, what I had, I mean, we had had a fair bit of freedom, but for my personality, I just wanted something else, and I think that just pushed. I mean, the move to to go overseas first to live overseas was a, was something that I've always wanted to do because I just think it broadens your mind and and your experiences. I think there's no better school than just picking up and you know traveling around and looking at different cultures and putting yourself in weird situations, and it's just one of the best things. And then doing it overseas where you get to sort of live and work where there's no rush to go home. It's not like, oh, yeah, I've got two weeks here. I feel like I've got to rush and do everything. You can really sort of embed yourself into the to the culture. And that's sort of why I took the job at Volkswagen. Yeah. Sort of knowing roughly all along that I was probably only going to do it for a year and then segue, um, you know, work my ass off outside of uh, – that's what made it hard. Like the commute was that usually I'd use that commute time at home to be working on my own personal projects um, so I think when it came to, yeah, to the end of it, I started, you know, doing more of my own personal work and putting it out there and started getting offers and, you know, chatting with you when we we're, we're in Berlin and then back in Barcelona, sort of kicking my ass to, to make a move and, yeah, and do my own things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a I mean, Richard Simmons of the art world. You can do it. Come on. Yeah. yeah. You can do it. Yeah. Just keep on moving Spread on. Spread your cheeks here. What? I'm like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> No, oh, I don't want to start going down that route. Yeah, start having a beer. We will get pretty disgusting pretty quickly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah very quickly. <laughs> okay, let's keep it on track. Let's keep yeah, it on track. Yeah, so I can't remember what I was saying. It's because you're so about. gross, dude. Yeah, it's <laughs> filth. <laughs> no, so you're just saying how you're you're you were, you knew that you were gonna make the change and 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 you're you know, countering yeah. that and getting prepared mentally and stuff. And well, I think, yeah, just, I mean, mentally when you've worked in a permanent job as an employee, you have that security. And I think I remember chatting to you about it where it's like, 
I feel like, I mean, I was lucky that I was in the position to do it, but also it was a big risk where if I don't do this now, you sort of, you get locked down, you get very comfortable in a job yes. and there's nothing wrong with that. But, no. uh, and it's great for some people, but I'm like, I don't have a, a family to feed yet and if I'm going to do something and fail, like I'd rather do it now and I've got time to to, to make a move and, and re-earn some money. But right now I have no real obligations um, apart to Rach. And, you know, basically besides that, and she was great and supportive in making the move. So, yeah, I had got started getting some freelance offers to do some vehicle designs um, outside and that came out like perfectly as I was meant to renew my contract at Volkswagen. So I was like, you know what, <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna leave this and I'm going to start freelancing and see where this takes me. And, Good. Um, just follow that road and, and that was really cool. That was cool getting some cool work. I can't talk about that, um, unfortunately, right yeah. at the moment just because I'm still under NDA and it, it hasn't been released. But in doing that, I also was able to meet up with um, a, a guy, Mike Hill, who's a concept artist who works at the studio character in Berlin and I didn't even know they were around, which is crazy. And we like sort of met on the same circumstances and we just went out and had a couple of beers at a at a bar and just got chatting because he does a lot of mechanical sort of design and he was like, oh, yeah, the, you know, where he was working at the moment, there's a the studio called Character. They do a lot of or have done as well a lot of the concept art for Game of Thrones, the TV show. Oh, cool. Yeah. Really cool, yeah. They, they won three Emmys. Uh, the guy that uh, one of the guys that's running the place, Tobias, um, won three Emmys for art or I think it was concept art and visualisation. Um, cool. Previews for it and they also – did a lot of work for the Killzone franchise and like a, a ton of other stuff. So it was a really cool studio that kind of had a mix of a lot of really cool games and then also some film and, and television work. So I just put a bunch of stuff together and knew that they were sort of really ramping up to work on some mechanical like vehicles and props and weapons and yeah, pretty much got uh, hired by those guys. I mean, hired as a freelancer, but the, the, the studio works essentially is hiring out freelancers to, to fill the need on whatever projects they're working on at the time. Yeah, lots of studios are doing that now. I think it's a beneficial thing just because it's less cost, you know, and they can kind of yeah. expand and contract and stuff based off of the, like the workflow and how many people are needed. That's yeah. rad. That's right. Yeah, it's really cool. There wasn't I don't think there's that many employees there actually. I think the majority of the, the staff that are there are um uh, freelancers. Off site? Uh, most of the guys you can work off site. And you, I mean they have guys that are working around Europe and they have people working um yeah, just all over the globe. But um I chose to go and work sort of on site just because there was some really, really, really talented guys there, guys and girls. Yeah, you um, learn a lot too. Oh man, it's just it's just insane. And, and Mike and I have been working uh, strongly together on this project because he's really into like insanely good three D modeler and um, designer. So I came in doing a lot of like two D two um, D design work because that's where a lot of my workflow came from from auto design. So it allowed me to to punch it out and you know getting into learning three D. I think when I left Volkswagen, I moved from learning Auto Studio, um, which is generally what you use in the car design car design world which is pretty awesome program but you kind of need to have the, the finished design before you actually start whereas yeah. I kind of wanted to learn Moto and hearing a lot of guys talking about Moto and that it was relatively easy to pick up as soon as I started leaving and I think when I was chatting to you in Barcelona I just set myself a goal to you know, try to learn as much within two months um, while I was freelancing to 
what were you using stuff. to learn were you using tutorials and stuff or yeah yeah just tutorials just any tutorials i could find and then also just playing around because i'd learned at university 3d max and maya so a lot of the features were very similar but the user interface in moto just seems to be pretty pretty simple and pretty straightforward and a lot of times in the end, I wasn't trying to make anything really fancy. I was just looking at a way to speed up my workflow by doing quick blockouts so that I didn't have to spend a while setting up perspective grids in 2D and, and drawing vehicles or environments over the top of that. Yeah. But why do you yes. think people still draw things when they can make them in 3D? I have, I know why, but I'm just curious because I, because there's always that like when, it, especially when it comes to production, you want to eliminate anything that's time wasting and you yeah. want to get to it. I personally, I think that when you draw something, especially if you're a trained artist, your hand and eye will come up with something faster with the energy that and the style and the flow yeah. faster than when you go in and have to figure out something with like the mouse and the monitor and the computer and stuff. You feel it's the same kind of thing? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I've really got used to using 3D, but it's not my preferred uh, workflow. Mm. Especially, I mean, I think at the start, I mean, the, the whole process that I've done since, you know, being at university through to cars and even before that was I like to draw. Like that was, I like the feeling of drawing on paper. I mean, you don't get that with a, with a tablet, but I still would prefer or start everything sketching because, yeah, it's, it's, it's that speed and that, I think that quickness that you can get iterations done as well. Like and just constantly riff off what you've previously drawn and you can get it done like relatively fast, like a, a good quality line work and um, like quality of draftsmanship to me is like one of the number one keys and I think that, yeah, I think it's I think it's a must. I think it is definitely to do with the energy and how quickly you can put something out. And I think there's obviously, I think there's a lot of guys who can do really cool stuff in 3D quickly. Mm. Um, but I just, yeah, for me 2D, like doing thumbnails and just doing really quick sketches, you even when you do a really quick sketch, when you're not thinking about it, to when you actually go and focus on doing a sketch, you always tend to lose a lot of that flavor that you have. And it's like a real struggle to learn how to try to get some of that flavor of that initial thumbnail sketch into like a more of a refined polish sketch. Is that just comes with time, I think, right? What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think it's also your understanding of form. And I think the longer you work at designing something and, and drawing, you you stop just putting lines on paper. I mean, I still do that at the start, just draw random <laughs> random shapes depending on what I'm working on. But I think with maturity and the more, you, the more you sketch, the more you actually start thinking about drawing a form as opposed to like a 2D. I think you're thinking in 3D while you're sketching 2D. Yeah. You sort of know. I mean, like you, yeah, you're drawing, you're drawing, you know, you're drawing a schematic, you know what's going on, you know that if I had to build this in 3D, it would work, whereas a lot of times when I was first starting out, realistically you're just drawing very graphical um, objects and when you're designing vehicles and props and environments, I mean, it can come in handy at the start if you're just looking for a proportion or a, you know, trying to get contrasting shapes and really play up silhouettes, it's perfect, but as soon as you go into the refinement stage, I think you need to start looking into the volumes and, and how they play up. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's definitely something to be said about all that stuff. And there's a reason why there's a process. And, and I think some of the best things come from like a happy accident and letting your yeah. mind kind of escape. It's almost like I find that some of my best ideas or the ideas that I enjoy the most of other artists is just when they come in a flow state where they're just kind of, I yeah. don't know, tricking their mind into trying to try a different shape and pushing that different shape in a way where it, is different enough but still similar in that same realm 
and I suppose that's where a really great design lives. And, mm. and and you can only get there, I think, through that mature exploration, I think. Yeah, I think the quickness of sketching as well and the ability to put down those ideas. I mean, you've got to, some of the best ideas I've had is when I've just exhausted, or, you know, you exhaust yourself sketching out ideas into a sketchbook and you're like, oh, man, that looks like shit. And <laughs> do something else, and you're like, oh, that looks terrible. And you just keep going and going and you get out all that cliche stuff that you end up, I mean, I find myself when I draw, as soon as I pick up a pen and I start drawing, I'm like, man, I'm drawing the same shit and it takes <laughs> like two or three and you're like, hey, I'll start a new one and you start again and then as you push it and you realise that you're pushing, you, that's when you're actually coming up with something because you're just like, oh, I need to do something than what I've normally been doing and I think it's just, I think it's just something that you fall into, like habit, I have those same things that I draw and then you've really got to push through and sketching yeah. allows you to get there quicker, I think. Like 3D, it's pretty hard, I think, to do. Yes, get the same result at the start, like with 3D, to really quickly iterate and do different designs because I think a lot of times if you want to be quick in 3D, I mean, I could be totally wrong, these guys are probably insane at it, but yeah. you'd end up just duplicating the same model and then just start pushing and pulling pieces around, but you still got that essence of that model <laughs> that you've just riffed off again. I think Vitaly might do something like that because I know he uses like key commands where he creates generalized shapes and then he can... He's very creative and, and he knows the software so well. So I think when we sketch, it's kind of like the same process for him when he makes something in 3D. So he's almost yeah. using all that energy in the 3D realm. It'd be cool to get have him explain that a little bit more because I think it's that's my understanding, my perception of like what he's doing and how he's doing it and how he achieves such great results is through that process i think oh man vitaly's stuff is yeah, it's got a really cool i think i've listened to his podcast that's just depressing sometimes <laughs> his podcast is like it triples everybody else's listens everybody loves that podcast so much it's cool i think there's so many a powerful gems. one there's a ton yeah. of gems in there yeah it's a very long talk in it but we had enough time to really get all the good stuff out of there i think that um that I think is might be lacking in a lot of the other things that we've had exposed, not the podcast, yeah. but like just in general, like um, conversations about that level of process and how to get to those levels of understanding of things and stuff and just thoughts yeah. on theories and shit like that. So, but yeah, no, I'm just, the reason why I'm just curious and I wanted to also before I forget, and I'm just curious as like when you, cause I've been finding that um, if I'll just sit in bed and I'll sketch something really shitty but those yeah. little shitty sketches, I've been doing a new process where I'll take those little shitty, like, I don't know, half inch to an inch square little sketches for like Lost Boy, for example. And um, mm. they're so small and it's kind of, I'm just drawing while I'm listening to an audiobook or whatever. But I scan that in and then I, I enlarge it, but it's so fuzzy and bad. Um, <laughs> I just, I lower the opacity and then I see all these other shapes. And all of a sudden, like, my brain starts to fill in the gaps, and then I have all this new stuff to play with. It's weird because I think yeah, my... Yeah, something to riff off, yeah. Yes, I think it's more like using your right side imaginative brain, where your your right side's more of a flow. I think it is, yeah. yeah. The right side's more of a flow creative side, and so, like, activating that is fast and early and using trigger points to do it. Mm. I don't know. It's seeming to be very uh, beneficial for me creatively because I'm able to yield really interesting things. So I just wish it would work for comics. Fucking comics. I'm probably sure you could. I mean, I guess it's good if you're working out the character design. It's kind of like those, one of those cards that you see in those in movies, those psychology cards where they're holding them up to somebody. It's like, what do you see in yeah. this shape? It's that same thing. Yeah, it's very much the yeah, yeah, Rorschach yeah. or something. Not the Rorschach, but yeah, something like that. 
Yeah, just genitals everywhere. Yeah, it's, yeah, just genitals and butterflies. Oh, I'm like, this yeah, looks like a paint butterfly. splotch that looks like a butterfly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I've seen some cool process. I think maybe it was Scott Robinson or a YouTube clip. But I forget who it was, but there was a similar thing where they were using like a custom brush in Photoshop to just generate random shapes for mm-hmm. doing some mechanical designs and then using those random silhouettes to um, to basically just start sketching over. And that's really cool. like using positive and negative space and, and contrast between um, basically, uh, saturation and hues and, and whatnot, just to pull out different shapes and, and blocks, which is really cool. And I guess that's, um, I guess it's almost, you know, going from line drawing to, to using those blocks of color. I guess the next step is, is 3d. So I, I think it all works. Um, all, all works pretty well. I think it's just about pushing yourself out of your comfort zone to get something that's new and new and fresh. And I can see that. I mean, we, we share a fair few st- sketches over um over email and you yeah it's a lot of bombard fun. me with that uh the lost boy stuff which is so awesome to see because it just kicks my ass to keep working but like that latest stuff you were showing me is really you know pushing it from where you started from trying you know, to your shapes and you know just the, the small details in the in the costumes and masks and whatnot you yeah i can tell you've been doing something different because it's really pushing a, a different aesthetic which is really cool really fresh thanks man yeah i don't know i, I wanted to share that with you in any way it's listening to to just like you said i think it's really vi- like vital to for me it's it's challenging i don't know if, if you're the same way but i was thinking about it the other day i was taking a shower often i get these weird epiphanies while i'm taking a shower i think it's my brain's shutting out but i was <laughs> thinking to myself like um once i get that initial spark then it's then the fire i just set it ablaze but the to get the spark it always feels like it takes a lot of energy or it was taking a lot of energy and then once i was able to really engage that then i was able to really jump into it and have a lot of fun so i was identifying where my biggest energy suck was happening and i was eliminating Mm. it by creating a, a different situation to activate like a better experience with like a better result i suppose you know yeah, and that was it. And I don't know. So it's just I'm just curious as to if you had done that, if like if you were to draw a car design, for example. And this is like uh, I don't know if this is what you're getting into as much more these days. But if you just drew it, if you drew drew like I don't know, spaceships now. <laughs> yeah, you drew like spaceships, and and you you would just draw forms. Maybe you would draw like um, I don't know, like fifty of them. The small so, yeah, thumbs that's, that's literally exactly the the process that I've been doing for the last. Uh, well, I would say, yeah, for the last couple of weeks has just been really quick, um, black and white. Uh, you know, like those bike sketches I send you? Yes. I, I just, you know, like line drawing, you know, like how we're both pretty influenced by, by comic artists and yes. that illustrative style and halftone, like it's just absolutely love it. And that, <laughs> that bike stuff um, that I've been doing, which I, I should really post some more up. I've been trying to yeah, pump those would. out. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll be getting around to it. I think the motivation in this new job is hitting hitting that out of me. I feel with some positive energy. But, um, yeah, with with the spaceships, I mean, I'm using that same thing. I'm basically generating a whole bunch of silhouettes to try and nail down specific functions of a, of a specific ship um, for the client. And, you know, the, the art director for this, I'd then present those to him because these you can do in half a day to a day and it really allows him to just get a initial reaction it's the same reaction if i was picking the, the design myself he's having a look at these forms and it's kind of like that those psychological flashcards but obviously they've got a little bit more detail in them sure um, 
and you know you can get a, it's pretty amazing when you present somebody with a with a field of options they can narrow it down pretty quickly which allows you to speed up um, the design process and then would go in and do a more refined sketch over that but man I need to do it I need to sketch I need to start by just putting out as much <laughs> as much as the crap as possible so I can get to the good stuff I think that you you owe it to yourself as an artist um, to just draw like if yeah. if you wanted to if, if that's what you want to do I think you owe it to yourself to do it heavily for at least four to six hours a day yeah if not yeah, more sure. if you want to be really great you do eight you know yeah you I mean you'll be really great fast uh, people look to let's look at like a modern marvel of art which is like Kim Jong Ji. And and I don't know his story specifically, but I have heard things like uh, the amount of hours that he spends drawing, and and it it makes complete sense, you know, it totally yeah. does. What's going to be interesting, and I'm excited to see where he goes in ten years if he can figure out like narrative art and fine mm. art and all that stuff. Because right now he's like he's like this amazing circus act that this guy who can like because that's <laughs> what it is that, it's, yeah. he's he's it's amazing it's an it's an amazing act to watch a person generate these images from his mind instantly mm. with pen and ink i don't think he even lays that many pencil down so i think he's just going for it um yeah. and uh it's you know i think as humans we love to see amazing humans because we love to see the potential the what if and he yeah. definitely has it and he's definitely like one of those guys right now but that only comes i mean i can guarantee i know for a fact he has to have you know like he he didn't just wasn't born like that he might have a couple of different things going on in his makeup in his mind but he might just be one of those really insane dudes that just drew so much and had a perfect situation where he was able to draw more yeah. than anybody else uh, for a significant amount of time. And, but anyways, what I'm getting back to, and Scott Robertson brings it up a lot too, is just like, if you want to be good at art, you just have to, you just have to draw, 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 you know? Like, yeah, there's um, no shortcut. There is none. That's the cool thing too. I, that's one thing I really love about art is you're not judged by anything other than your art. Yeah. And, and you can tell instantly if somebody sucks or what they suck at, you know? And if, even if you don't have an aesthetic eye or understanding of art, like, people will know and sometimes people don't and they get lost in what they think is good and what they, what isn't and that's all opinions and it gets really subjective but if your goal is to design like spaceships or whatever i mean you have a plethora of, of guys to look forward to look towards mm, and yeah. stuff you know you got like the aaron becks and you got the um which is more of a contemporary version you have the sid mead you have uh ben ben proctor you know like you have all there's these no different shortage. Yeah, there's no shortage of things, but then you got you also have yourself and what you're going to create and how you're going to create that and and stuff. Do you ever get in a flow where you're drawing and you get to understand the person that you're working with so well that when you generate images, you just you you know what they're going to attach themselves to and you can kind of push them a little bit. You ever get in that flow? Yeah, yeah, I've been in that flow. I mean, at the moment with the guy that I'm working with or the guys that the companies that we're we're doing these designs for I mean it's awesome I think we're <laughs> probably in a dream situation I mean one of the first jobs coming in switching industries and and working to get into that to a guy who kind of puts a lot of trust I think in us and the reputation of the, of the company so he's kind of with the experience of myself and, and the other guys, um, what we've presented and what we present at the start, they're, they're pretty happy with and obviously they push it in some direction of where they're going but they kind of let us just 
do our thing, <laughs> which awesome. so so I haven't had that. Where I mean, I guess in a way, we're obviously hitting what he wants because you know he's just letting us do our thing. But um, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Like it's um, yeah, it's a it's a funny thing because you can get. I've worked with the clients before where you just join something like, what do you want? I just I'm pretty sure this is what you want, but now you you just don't seem to be getting. Like I think it's all in the communication. It must be. Yeah, and that's that comes from maturity, though. I found that the more mature I get, based off of like how good I am and how fast I'm able to mentally understand something, because I think the first stage is all about like your mental understanding of how you're gonna achieve your goal and yeah, and understanding what you're going for and then what the client needs and then how mm. to push things. But I just I think that there is. There's a flow that you can achieve there that's really interesting and yeah, I think, push those things, you know. Yeah, to that point, I use the process of, you know, generating a lot of ideas quickly at the start because I think that allows you to quickly funnel down. So I think for me, like if I was to be doing it all in 3D, it's like I would lock in one design and not want to yes. change it because I'm not that fast in it. Whereas by doing sketching, I can like just shoot a shotgun of ideas at somebody and they can very quickly pick out the direction and then from that the refinement based on that design allows you to keep funneling down so you're not really wasting you're always at least moving moving forward yeah and within that you get like the the, the happy mistakes where like oh but that would be kind of cool with this or depending what happens i mean at the moment i've been using some of the designs to actually try to drive out some of the actual story elements because i'm like well but what happens if this ship did this would that affect the story or would it affect some gameplay or could this change, you know, instead of just thinking of it as an, as an aesthetic design, um, it's, it's something that can, through really cool shapes and features and things, play up and really um, impact the design and storytelling. And I think you get that by doing, uh, like you said, you've got to do heaps of, of um, relatively not generic things because, you know, there's a lot of the things you see today are people just riffing off somebody else's stuff and they're really, really cool, but it's just, you're like, oh, yeah. Do you think yes, that we're running out of ideas or do you think things are just getting started? I think that things are just getting started. I mean, to the same extent, a lot of the times, I guess, what you see coming out in films, it's not the artist themselves. I think it's just the direction um, that they've been given and sometimes the direction that they may have been, may have been forced into. But I don't know. I'm just... I think originally, I think it's the advent of, like, the access to information. I mean, when I was at university, I think the internet was still, I mean, it was still set up and around back in 2003 and 2002. But, like, guys before that, like, you had to go and find your, I don't know if everybody was using other artists as their benchmark as much. I mean, they were, I guess, in terms of I want to be able to draw as cool as this guy, but... Maybe people are getting or taking the inspiration more from the world around them and the rough general field of, of what they're going to be designing as opposed to like, oh, that guy drew that. That looks really cool. I'm going to draw something similar to that. Man, and I've been, everyone's been guilty of that and it's awesome because you, know, you see people doing cool stuff and you're like, oh, damn it, I wish I came up with that. But Iron sharpens iron. One person does something amazing and everybody understands that that's the next staple of amazingness you know and yeah and then people can build off that from there and get better and stuff yeah but it's like i mean with guys like aaron um dan and Weta, like his his mechanical designs are insane i mean he's he's riffing off a lot of different things but i think the way that he's putting it together and i think he uses his experience um because i've uh, 
message him before about his Barracuda build and like he's using a lot of the influence that he has in his outside life and building cars and you can see that yeah. and like the understanding and the complexity of like the mechanics and in his designs where it's like it's fresh like it may not be new but it's fresh like I'm like oh damn I haven't seen that before yeah it's also the process the the process of of, of photo bashing you know like we, we I talk shit a lot with him and stuff and he can draw but he can't draw as good as he can photo bash and, and to me yeah. I don't give a shit because it's to me uh it's I mean, I, I guess I do to a point, you know, I look at James Jean and I go, damn, like that dude's spent a lot of time perfecting the art of illustration and drawing. He's a, he's one of the best. But then I look at um, Aaron's work and I get just as excited in a different yeah. way, you know, and, and, and I don't want to take anything away from either of those guys because they're both making great, really cool, fun stuff that I enjoy as a fan of just their work. And, um, and I, and I, I love when people are pushing their way into diff- trying different things. It would be a shame if Aaron just decided to be a James Jean clone, you know, he decides to keep <laughs> going, you know? Yeah. Oh man. I was watching a really cool doco, man. I'm diverging again on topic the other day with, um, uh, David Cho. Hmm. Yeah. He's got James Jean working in his warehouse. Yeah, like, I saw that. Did you set up? I'm like, what is good? Yeah, awesome. that, that that was um was like an, an artist spotlight. Um yeah, that I was watching that too and uh, and it was a random let, like James Jean was just at David Cho's thing and he was making uh David Cho's a very funny guy and he was just like, Yeah, James like finishes all my paintings and shit. Like I pay him to stay here and finish all my work and stuff. It was really funny. He's a very funny guy. His story is ridiculous. It's crazy. Oh, I, I li- I've listened to his story like three times now already, and uh, just different interviews. He's done a really great podcast with um, Joe Rogan, and then he also was on Howard Stern. And uh, his the whole thing. He, I don't know if he's got a better grasp on his reality, but it's he seems like a kind of guy where he's like so young at heart that he yeah. ach- he achieved like this barrier of. Like, he was able to solidify this level of, I don't know, living mm. without even understanding that he was able to. And then he became almost like his own god or something. And it, not, not a god or anything, but it was just his uh, his his whole, the, the way his life changed based off of, like, the investment with Facebook yeah, and all right. that stuff. It was just, yeah, you know, like, if all of a sudden you had 500 million or 200 million, I mean, it's just, like, that's a lot of money, you know? <laughs> And yeah. you, you could just kind of do what you want. And so his, his whole fetish is just like having crazy weird sex and all these weird like things that he occurs and en- enjoys and stuff. It's, it's very yeah, interesting. Yeah, he's an interesting dude to look at. I mean, he's got some, some interesting views. And I mean, I think judging by him, I think the key is I think he was doing whatever he wanted to do before he had money. Yes, he was. Like he was pretty loose, <laughs> pretty loose dude. So he just got all this money and... Judging from it, he was just like, well, it doesn't make any difference to me because I was already doing whatever I wanted to do anyway. Yeah. And I think in that chat, there was that really good point where I was chatting to the, the interviewer and said, you know, what do you want to do? And she was chatting about, oh, yeah, and I'm, you know, being an actress. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, what happens if you, you, uh, that was a great you know, point. What's, what's the great, what's the great, you know, the ultimate goal of being an actress? You want to work in a great movie? Do you want to, you know, direct your own film? She's like, yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. He's like, okay, well, say you've done one or two or three really big films. And you're happy with that, and you're in that position. Well, then, what do you want to do? Like you've already done that, so like with everything, you you get to your your goal and you do it, and you have success, and then you know things start to become the norm, and then you start craving something else, 
or you start looking for, you know, your, your original passion. And she said, well, I guess I'll probably just draw again. And he's like, well, there you have it. It's kind of like, you know, if that's what you really want to do, but you should be doing that now. Yeah, it was a beautiful way that he kind of pulled that information out of her. He did it very sly too, and it was nice. Yeah, it was I love, great. I love when I watch interviewers getting interviewed too because it's very interesting because it's not just a one-way street in the conversation, and I find it fascinating when somebody can really. He he's very, um, he's incredibly entertaining uh, that guy, and it makes yeah. me like his work. And when I first saw his work, I was like, "What's the big deal here?" But then I started to understand his story and his and his thing, and it was like, oh, he's not just an artist; he's he's telling a story, you know. Isn't that uh, funny? The value that oh, yeah. somebody's story puts on their art. <laughs> it is crazy. I mean, you know, like we've I've brought it up before, and I think we've had a conversation about it, like Picasso and stuff, and how like they must have wanted to become something amazing and huge and be okay with manipulating people because that's all it really is, you know. Like yeah. artists that are big and have stand, stood the test of time are just very p- smart, manipulative people, really. Well, did you get to the Picasso Museum in uh, Barcelona? No, no. I did, oh, I, dude, dude, I was, I was destroyed because yeah, of the coloring just, shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a horrible experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was... Yeah, that's uh, making films 101. <laughs> yeah, that was perfect weather and you stuck in that uh, studio. <laughs> that was cool, though. Big shout out to everybody at um, Metropolitana, the studio. It was an amazing place. It was really cool. Yeah, the video was cool, but... If, if you get the chance to go back, that's that's really cool because it kind of you walk through chronologically his artistic career, mm. and that's I was dope. like, ah, because I mean I knew a bit about Picasso, but when I went in there and at age fifteen, the oil paintings he was doing, it just these insane portraits, like just really really cool, very like you know your typical you know artistic portrait, very you know well executed and. And this was when he was 15 years old and yeah. it was really cool to see how much he just developed his technique in like classical training in terms of painting. But then listening to his story, how he was kind of like, you know what, fuck this, I don't want to do stuff that everybody wants to see. I'm just going to start messing it up and making things abstract <laughs> and like Cubist and just deconstructing stuff and just doing pretty much just to piss people off. Has David Cho reached the level of doing James Jean's level kind of of, of real real life studied art or has his style always been abstract? I've never I've seen... I've no idea. I think from early stuff that I've seen, I think he's just been, I mean, it's been based in street art graffiti. So I think it's always been that aerosol for like make a piece of art with whatever you can get your hands on. Hmm. Yeah, so that that kind of art is, is it's always interesting, you know, because we go from the the stuff that we're talking about now and bring up Picasso and his understanding of art before he broke the rules, he understood them and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Because that's I think those are people use that argument as like you know you can't you can't break rules until you know them and blah blah blah. And some people yeah. agree with that, some people disagree. Uh, I'm right there in the middle. It's hard to really tell. I think it's all just situational based and. But for David Cho, I don't know if like I just don't know his story good enough and his his work good enough. I've only seen maybe a handful of pieces of his art. But it, it the for me, it, whenever I see that, um, I guess because I was like heavily into the graffiti scene and I watched all these guys kind of become something completely different. Went from when they started like Shepherd Ferry and yeah. all these all these other things, and and so I'm always very much I look I look at it for, with like an arm's distance, you know, and I kind of yeah. observe it as to what I feel it is. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm just curious. I, I think his personality and, and his life and his story 
has really been the proponent to his success, you know. Yeah, I think it's just passion as well. I think that's what oh, yeah. draws a lot of people in when you 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 just feed other people. Just I mean, you can get succubuses in his probably life feeding off his thing, but the energy you put out when you see somebody so passionate about what they're doing, for the most part. I mean, I don't know how how he actually is, but you know, I think it's something that everyone sort of you really need to achieve. And I think, I mean, I think at the essence, he kind of is just doing what everybody wants to do. Like he just did whatever he wanted to do. He didn't care about money. <laughs> didn't care about you know holding down whatever steady job or what people thought about him he just kept doing what he wanted to do isn't that ironic though the thing that we're always in fear of and that controls us most of us at least like 90 percent of the populace is yeah. money and, and security and, and control of that aspect of yeah. your life but the people that really just admit that they have no control over it uh, they just be, they allow it to not be powerful. They cement all the other energy in their life, just focusing on the things that actually do matter to them, which is being themselves, whether they're a weirdo dickhead or they're just, yeah. or they're just, you know, uh, are they really great people? You know, there's some amazing mm. people out there that uh, found that. I found that we've had really great conversations about things, and because I'm very, I traveled a lot as a kid, and I, I think traveling is really great, and you can really tell in somebody's personality and the way they talk and the way they carry themselves and the conversations that they have with how much they've traveled. I always suggest and recommend that anybody, uh, tra- as an artist or anything, anybody in this world, if you get a chance to, you should go travel. I think the worst thing that you could possibly do to yourself creatively and mentally is to throw yourself and put yourself in like a little circle or a little a little you know just stick in your neighborhood maybe it's not yeah. horrible i don't know i mean that's <laughs> just my opinion um some people have wonderful lives and they don't need to have all this like you know contrast and stuff but for me yeah. i think creatively it's one of those big things and and i always remember the story i don't know if you want to tell it but the story of um where you i think you might have been in india or something and you were talking about um i had you tell anthony and stacy when we were out there in barcelona where they're cracking the heads open to relieve the souls, you know? Oh, yeah, that was in uh, Varanasi. I love that story. It's it's one of those, like, crazy ones that I'm like, <laughs> I wonder if I'll ever experience that, and I really would would like to just because it's so crazy, and you can never forget that, and it's one of those like, life-changing events, I would imagine, you know? Yeah, I was pretty unfazed because I just finished, like, vomiting and shitting out of like all my orifices food poisoning right yeah like terrible food poisoning the um the night before like it was just intense and that was when rachel got really sick too is this yeah she got sick yeah we had to evacuate off a river in a dinghy because we're sort of like camping along the river ganges which is i think probably like one of the most polluted bodies of water (laughs) (laughs) in the world but like also the most holy river for um, hindu why is that though? I'm not quite sure. I think from my very basic knowledge and I've forgotten is I think that, I mean, the reason they do, they have a lot of cremation gaps along the Ganges for Hindus is that I think when they put the body into the water, it's the idea that the soul is then carried to another stage of whether it's, it allows the body to move on uh, in the process of reincarnation or I'm like probably butchering it because I'm sure. not that versed in Hindu culture. But I remember it was, it was a process of, it was like a start of another journey. It was like, it was really beautiful, something quite nice. But obviously, you know, if you're in the US or in Australia and, you know, a lot of um, 
countries besides India and, and like Walmart Asia places. And Walmart. Practices. Yeah, Walmart places. Yeah, that's the way to, <laughs> that's the way to say it. <laughs> like the, the dead, <laughs> the dead are treated totally differently. Like, yes. I mean, in India, death is everywhere. I mean, I remember walking down the street and there was just like a dead body, like a homeless guy had died and oh, there was yeah, so many people and it was just like, uh, I'm like, that guy's dead. <laughs> and he's just on the road and I guess somebody at some point would come along and move it but it's just insane how life can mean so little in a place with so many people yeah, like the value, yeah. how it changes but yeah the, the, the Varanasi trip was was really cool we, we'd spent two days um, rowing down the Ganges um, what made you guys decide to go and do that uh, I'm not sure <laughs> I think, uh, I think not knowing the actual dangers of doing it, <laughs> <laughs> but I was just, an, it was just an adventure. Like we took, I think every year when I was working uh, at GM, like, you know, people save up money and, and try and buy a house and set themselves up. And I would just spend that money on a trip overseas. Cause I had, you know, my parents always like, you need to see the world and it'll be the best education for you. And yeah. it, it's the best thing for you. And, and, the people around you is, is that experience. So we took seven or eight weeks off, I think almost close to two months, and did India and Nepal. But, yeah, while we were in India, we did this three-day camping trip. That was really cool. We had we had some local guides with us that you, you needed <laughs> because I'm like, I'm not rowing there. <laughs> I don't know how to row down the Ganges and which side to stick to and, like, the local rules of, like, boat craft <laughs> and, like, where's safe to, like, camp out and like what to eat and what not to eat and so it was, re- it was a really cool it was a really cool um, really cool trip we had two other australians with us on another boat and there was probably like four indian guys that we paid that came with us and yeah we just we uh, went down the river for two days and on the second night we were like camping out on a sandbar like a sandbank in the middle of the river mm-hmm. and yeah just so I remember Rach getting really, really sick and had like the worst food poisoning and just couldn't stop vomiting and, and you know, we had a full kit of antibiotics and stuff we had in Australia before we left because of the dangers of getting sick in India. But you know, when you're throwing up the tablets and you can't keep anything down, we were kinda of like, oh crap. So luckily these guys who basically didn't speak any English, we just loaded up a canoe and we're just trying to find the nearest slum where they had a road into where we could get a taxi to um get to the nearest town, which was Varanasi, which is where we're heading anyway. And, yeah, through that whole procedure of, like, rocking up in the middle of the night, you know, zero visibility with fog and we've got, like, just the coals in a pan on the boat <laughs> in case we got lost, we could at least start a fire. What a crazy so, story. Oh, man, so to rocking up to this slum, like, disappearing out of the fog and <laughs> it was just the most beautiful, like, place. I mean, during the daylight it was pretty pretty grim but at night time like everything was just lit by fires and we pulled up and there was like a little hindu um, temple with like red paint all over a tree which looked like blood and i'm like ah. meanwhile i'm trying to help rach out of the boat. i'm like oh, man this is like indiana jones <laughs> or like yeah, apocalypse like, now or something huh yeah it was exactly like that and then she's like vomiting on like somebody's doorstep and i'm like oh, oh damn it <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, it ended up being good and we had like an hour and a half taxi ride um, down this like dirt road and got into Varanasi and all oh, was good. Dr. Kane <laughs> with his like little dodgy bag and these are the experiences you have like in India where this doctor rocks up, really lovely man. But he opens up his briefcase and there's like screwed up papers and like an empty Coke can <laughs> and, like, and there's like a couple of syringes and he's like, I'm like, oh, no way. <laughs> like, no way. 
Were you and, afraid for her life at that point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was pretty, pretty intense. But he, luckily, he wasn't using anything that was in his bag. He's like, oh, I've got to go to the hospital and get the drugs you need to stop the vomiting. And came back an hour later, and you know, gave her some injections to stop the vomiting, and all was good. And he took off, and literally after an hour after he left, I was just lying in the bed, and I'm like, oh, here it comes. <laughs> <laughs> like, you got it. Oh God! I'm Silly like, white people and your baby stomachs. Yeah, that no, was terrible. <laughs> just yeah, and the best part is these places. We weren't staying in the nicest places as well. Which, if anybody out there is going to India, yeah, pay the extra money and stay in somewhere nice because the toilet was the shower. <laughs> it was not like how does this work? Yeah. <laughs> but it's it so like, it's so good, cool to experience that because you really get a good contrast and understanding of just life in general and you know maybe these guys are right and maybe this is you know like even though they don't have the creature comforts or whatever necessarily everywhere um yeah perhaps there is something to this you know i think everyone has yeah i think there's something that's a beauty of travel there's something to be gained from every culture um no matter what you've got to go there and look and actually see firsthand because you can't trust what the media puts out there what the media is shit yeah and the news and you don't know who's running that news station and how they're being told to betray a certain country for any sort of any certain reason it's built off compromise those things because it's just a monster that's self-feeding itself off of like just bullshit it's really weird i think about that shit a lot too uh i've had a couple arguments about that kind of stuff where you know um opinions and and all those kind of things and how these where do you get your information and even if you're just talking about like say let's just use an example like a celebrity or something where um somebody goes i fucking hate that guy i'm like well do you even know that person they go well you know blah blah i'm like well you don't even know the fucking person so like how could you have such a strong reaction to that person well they suck and they did this and that i'm like yeah, but do you know them personally? Everybody has yeah. a story, and and um, yeah, there's some really shitty people out there, you know. Um, but mm-hmm. for the most part, I I don't know what I'm getting at is is the media and even what we're doing here with this podcast and talking about stuff. It's a little bit dulled down because we don't have to appeal to anybody, and we it's it's a very honest conversation, so it's more direct and stuff. Whereas as something like with media and stuff, it's hard to believe any of that stuff because it's like a it's like a subdued talk. It's like it's like a diluted. It's just a conversation. It's a it's a secretly wiretap conversation between two people. Yeah, and and what you're saying is like don't don't uh you know and I agreed like don't necessarily like believe the things that people are telling you. Um, yeah, I think you, you got to go really experience go it for yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. I really can't wait. I can't wait to go out there. I've to get to Varanasi. I mean that. I guess what I was getting with that whole thing was Sorry, uh, I didn't mean the next day going to, yeah, like you're saying, that, to going to the uh, cremation gats where, you know, from Walmart countries, you're not used to death is pretty hidden from, from a lot of us and the way that uh, we deal with death is kind of, you know, there's a lot of grieving and, and whatnot, but um, and maybe that's just from a Christian side of things and, you know, I, I don't relate to really any religion, but... Um, being in India where death is so out in the open, yeah, they cr- basically cremate bodies in that morning after being sick. We walk down to the river um, to these cremation gats and, yeah, you're, you're standing right there and I remember walking and going, oh, man, something smells. It was so brutal. I'm like, oh, it smells like a barbecue or something. And I was like, oh, dude. Oh, God. That's like, that's, that was like human. like Human barbecue. Yeah, human bodies. yeah, because I'm like, oh, I guess it is just meat, but... Yeah, well, it like, is. Oh, We're all made of similar stuff. 
Yeah, exactly. And then, um, yeah, just watching it, just standing there, like, trying not to be sick. But watching it was kind of more like Rachel's like, oh, I can't watch this. This is crazy because you're watching the body sort of burn up and like, the hands and start like, yeah, the bloat and the fat, you know, starts melting, piercing, like melting out of the skin, like uh, bursting out in the hands, like yeah, clasp up from the fire, heating it all up. But, yeah, they <laughs> do this crazy thing once the, I think it's me there for a while they uh, hit the top of the head with a hammer where mm. the brain's been boiling in the skull and, the, and it releases the brain out the top of the the skull and I think that's meant to be the release of the soul um, mm. and like it sounds insane when you hear it but I mean that's that's their culture and it's a, it's yeah, a beautiful yeah. thing to them and it's a massive celebration of release the body life. from the, the from release yeah, the yeah. soul from the physical body yeah, I mean, there's a lot of grieving that goes on, but when this happens, there's like a lot of what I found really cool is there's a lot of partying and like a lot of celebrating of the, per- the person's life. Mm. So it's just really cool to see. It's really cool to see like the, just such differences and like the differences in Japan and even then the differences in like Southeast Asia and, and Europe and just the way everybody goes about their life. Like, you, yeah, people just get out there if you can afford it. I mean, you can save up travel's not too expensive down here staying in cool places it's all about getting out there and like the best part is getting lost yeah i think so i mean as long as you're being smart and safe i mean i wouldn't advise like a a, a woman you know to just kind of wander off i mean i don't know even myself yeah. you got to be cautious you know like you never know what and who you're going to interact with and you got to be cautious of like you know people that are just takers and they're desperate and they're going to you know get what they can from you because they see you as being a possible vulnerable person but at the same time they can still have a really great experience and meet some and some like it's weird too the people that have the least usually be the seem to be the most forgiving and giving oh they will be the people the people that have the least like in, in little villages in cambodia or even in indian rural india was really beautiful because the cities can be quite quite intense yeah, uh, yeah and and the thing is like in india they've got great internet and a lot of people have access to internet so a lot of people know when they see a westerner when they see somebody that's not indian they're like well they just a lot of the people not all just assume you have money and they'll be there to rip you off but i guess you know if, if i was living there like cruising around in a tuk-tuk driving a tuk-tuk all day i'd be like oh, i'll charge this guy some extra money it doesn't bother him but for the most part you know everybody is, is amazing and especially when you get out into the country like these people have nothing and they're willing to like <laughs> give you anything and you, you hang out in some of the countries we're in and people have everything and they don't want to give anything or, you know, everybody's so protective of what they have and, and not wanting to share or help out. It's pretty, pretty insane. Yeah. I caught myself like last year. It was kind of funny. I was I put my trash outside to be taken by the trash people or whatever. And, uh, and then I saw my neighbor, uh, like their trash is overflowing. I left my house and their trash is overflowing. And so they went over to mine and put their trash in mine. I was like, those fuckers. But then I thought to myself, <laughs> I'm like, I'm just being one of those fucking shithead people. And then I always, and I just laughed at myself for being such a stupid idiot. Cause I'm was like, it's just a trash. Were, um, urinating on their bin? Yeah. I eventually did like take a crap in a paper bag and light it up and fire and set the, the doorbell so they could step on it at night, you know? So I got them back. <laughs> No, I'm just joking. No, yeah. but it was just funny because um, I don't know where that comes from. And I, and I, I good thing, I, thankfully, I'm, I self-reflect a lot. And I'm like, oh, that's so stupid. Why would I even care? And it was just like a funny, like, I don't know, outburst of just being ridiculous. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm not perfect and 
you know nobody is yeah no and that's i think that's kind of the beauty of life is just trying not trying to be perfect but just pushing yourself towards a better person every day i guess you know yeah just i think just making choices like you know as you said like traveling's a choice and yes i mean you, good one you're coming over here yeah yeah i think it's a i think it's an awesome one but you know i was very lucky in the fact that i had parents that you know had a lot of money when we were younger and lost everything and like my dad suffers from a cup you know he's got disease that's incurable and he's just like you know i've had money and we've had the house and done all of that and he's like honestly as you get older you're not going to remember the money he's like as long as you got enough money to you know put food in your mouth and the important thing is that you do what you want to do like if you are working a job that you enjoy or following a career that you enjoy that's going to matter a lot more than having a whole bunch of money sitting in the cash doing nothing for you yeah yeah it's a weird thing you know i think a lot of people even myself get caught up in those things my wife is a financial advisor so we you know, we're very understanding of like where the money goes and how to spend it and all that kind of stuff. And, and, but you um, have to do that as well. <laughs> yeah. I think you got to know. Yeah. We, we always try to remind ourselves, you know, like we got to be right there in the middle, like where we, we, we want to save because we also have our daughter and we don't want to overspend, but we also have to be aware that like we can't just sit there and save this money. We could both die, you know, like, you know, like randomly. Mm. And you know, we got to enjoy it to a certain extent. It's, it's, it's a really weird thing, but I think when, the times that I've ever made a decent amount of cash was the moment where I was I was free from the fear of not being able to provide or anything, and and that freedom is kind of like where I see with David Cho. He's just like, yeah, fuck it, you know. Like he, I mean, he can do it now, and he was doing it before he was making million. He was a millionaire before just on his art, um, yeah. Without it, so he just kind of was free to just focus on other things. And I think it was like a random thing that happened to him that where he was able to, you know do what he's doing now and stuff but yeah lots of things yeah. to learn from it though it's really really interesting stuff yeah so i find it to be very interesting stuff yeah tons of cash in a warehouse have Perfect. you done it yes well yeah of course but then yeah it, i guess there's a limit you know i find like when i look at him and what he's doing i it's almost like he's he has so much money where it's destroying him mm. um in a way I feel like maybe it isn't, maybe I'm saying that because like, I'm just like a, a worker bee, you know? And I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I'm studying him from afar because I have no relation to understanding that. But, um, yeah. like, I guess the interview I'm talking about is when he was on Howard Stern and he was, he was like, it's a, it's a really great one. There's, I think it's like four or five parts. Um, I can send you a link to it. Um, yeah, but yeah, it, yeah. it's really interesting because he break like Howard, he's like, Howard, wouldn't you want to like, have you ever had your dick sucked by two girls? And, and Howard's like, no, not really. And, 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 uh, and he's like, well, wouldn't you want to? He's like, Howard, you're like the king. And Howard's like, yeah, but I love my wife and I love, like we have great sex and all this stuff. And, 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 and I think it was weird for David cause David's like, damn, this guy's like the king, but he's not, he's not living like me, like the king, you know? And I felt like maybe, there's like a weakness in having too much, you know. I think so. I think sometimes you. I wonder how much sometimes is for shock value. I mean, the last time I watched something on him, he had a had a relationship that he was going in a breakup through, and was pretty shocked by that. So I think with that maybe falling through, the guy's just going, you know what? <laughs> I'm just going to do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. But at the same point, I mean, you look at guys like um, Ashley Wood. Like, mm, yeah, it's yeah. just 
yeah, I know he's a huge influence for you. And, and yes, very much so. Man, I love the stuff that he does. I would have loved to have got over because I think he still he lives in Australia. Yeah, yeah, he's still, still there. Yeah. yeah, from what I understand. I mean, then he just I mean, from what I understand, he's just been doing whatever the hell he wanted to since <laughs> whenever. And he seems I think he's doing pretty well for himself at the he's, same point. But once again, a different personality um, approaches it in a different way. Yeah, he's married and has kids, and from what I understand, enjoys his life and. And, um, yeah, and, and, he, and absolutely, he just goes and generates. He's a huge influence, yeah, definitely. And he's a good example of, I haven't met him or talked to him in person, but the things that I have, he's a good influence on just doing what you want to do and and, yeah. and uh, be the person that you feel you are best at being, you know, and, and, and focusing your energy on that rather than anything else and just seeing where, where that takes you, you know, because you never know where that's going to take you which I find to be fascinating, but yeah, we both, we, sh- we both share a lot of influences. Who, who are some others that, you know, that, um, I mean, we always talk about Otomo. I, I, I talk about Otomo too much on the podcast. I should Such Otomo, no, it's so good. Yeah. I, mean, I think oh, as soon as his new book, there's like that email flickers. I'm like, oh, there's going to go some more cash. <laughs> <laughs> he has another one coming more out? Cash. I'm not sure. I'm going to have uh, a check. But, I, think um, I have everything of his, so. Yeah, that, uh, it's just, man, they're oh, big time. It's just that um, the draftsmanship, like his ideas, like a oh, man, don't even get me started. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about somebody and, else. <laughs> go some, I mean, I, I think we share a lot. I mean, I think a lot of guys that are into what we do share a lot of the um, a lot of the same influences from Japan. You know, the, Japan. I mean, I think, and I don't know, I mean, I try to think sometimes why that is like japan's just doing so much cool stuff and funny thing is a lot of the guys have no a relatively unknown and i wonder if that like just spurs them on like they're just <laughs> they're just sitting away slaving just drawing like machines could be a possibly that could be it exactly and i thought that same idea you know like i'm wondering it's and it- cultural as well i think because generally and i've noticed it a lot with germans it's not so much about making a name for yourself it's mm-hmm. about what's best for the project and what's best for the company. Yeah, and the people involved and stuff, yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I could be wrong, but I think a lot of these guys work, is, work within a company and so they're just purely like just, you know, I think they've moved beyond and they're just happy being able to do that, but they still somehow appear in generating what they do because there's some amazing stuff coming out, or was, I'm not sure now. I haven't, not really up to date in the latest um latest in sort of the manga and, and anime scene. I mean, I only got into it relatively late. But, yeah, other influences, jeez. I mean, there's so many. I mean, you've got uh, – lately I've been going back and looking at some of the old Chris Foss stuff who did some yeah. of the original um, spacecraft stuff for Alien, which is just insane. And, I mean, Sid Mead, but I think everybody knows um, <laughs> Sid Mead stuff. I mean, it's, he's got the, the painting, the draftsmanship. like The ideation, the uh, yeah, form, he, the shape language. The curiosity. Yeah, just the – and I think, yeah, because everything you see as well that he was doing, there's a story behind it. It was something really cool, but it was really cool meeting him when he was in Australia and he came and and met a lot of the guys at the the GM studio and the Ford studio um, that's in Australia. So that was really cool getting to chat to him because he was full of energy. Yeah, man, especially for his age. Dude's rocking a T-shirt with crazy electronics lighting up (laughs) sound meters and (laughs) like excellent, perfect – yeah, you would expect nothing else, you know. Yeah, yeah like, I mean, maybe you too. would something else, but yeah, he's from what I've understood from the people that know him and are friends with him, or the things that I've gathered from him. He's just he's just very much like a 
a child at heart, you know, and he really enjoys um, just being creative and, and thinking and, and pushing what possible future ideas there are out there, you know. Yeah, I think that was really cool. That uh, I think you sent me the link to it. That Jodorowsky's Dune. That's a really fun, interesting oh, film. Oh man, Jeez, yeah. watching that is a kick in the nuts. If you want to get something on this guy, how passionate! I love that talk at the end where he's just pulling out his money and he's like, "This shit," <laughs> that the ruining of like Hollywood and, and money basically dictating storylines and people being afraid. Like the passion. I mean, those are the sort of guys that get get me really passionate about sort of what I'm doing and, and looking into things like you just see, man, that guy was just insane. Yeah. He, and he, yeah. He put together a dream team and really sought out all these people. And yeah, he's a very unique guy. It's, it's, it's always, it's interesting. That film was a very interesting watch for me too, because it, I want to be a filmmaker and it was a quick reminder that you can't, you got to be very cautious of, of how hard you push certain ways. And yeah. the, the mistakes that he was making was, and I don't know if it was mistakes and people will argue against me what I think, but like allowing Dolly to be like taking all that much money for the budget and stuff rather than trying to focus on building out a script that works and yeah, all those kind of things, you know, son. yeah, sacrificing your son. You were trained for two years to be a martial arts master. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, um, it, I mean, I don't know, like, I think everybody still, has their journey, you know, and, and, yeah. and I don't know if you've had a chance to watch like Holy Mountain and stuff or any of his other stuff. Um, they're very yeah. interesting films. Um, and I think if I were to ask you on a whim, hey, would, do you want to watch um, Tintin or Blade Runner or do you want to watch Holy Mountain? I think most people would go with you know, the other, yeah, the first, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm not trying to say anything against it. And I think there it's important. It's very important to have creatives and, 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 and imaginative minds like Yodorowsky creating what they're creating. I think it's very important, but, um, at the end of the day, I don't know. I think it's weird. I think that some of these guys, they perhaps got lost between what it is, what they were trying to do and what they became. And, yeah, got lost in the that line, I guess. I don't know. I it's, it's the beauty of um of Geiger, of Giga, however yeah. you want to say. Like he was just doing what he was doing. <laughs> yeah, like, and, yeah, and just kept doing that when he was hired. I don't, I didn't change anything about what he did. And I guess in that same token, he was approached to to do his designs because of that. Yes, he's a. I bring him up a lot too. And what do you think about his whole thing, where he he did just do what he was, you know, he did just do continually what he was good at. I don't know. I think in the end, uh, I mean, you've just got to do what makes you happy. And if that's what he wanted to do, then awesome for him. I mean, I think. I mean, I don't know him. I, I never met him, and he's got a really cool his museum or gallery down in Switzerland. I think it is. Yeah. Um, looks really really cool i wouldn't mind might try and make a journey down there one Should. weekend yeah. um not far so i haven't got an excuse <laughs> but yeah, i think yeah i think man you just in the end if, if he was enjoying what he was doing it seemed like he was in his own little world and, and battling certain things and that was his way of i think that was just part of his existence without that I mean, he wouldn't be who he was. So, yeah, I think, I mean, in the end, I've heard like a couple of things of, yeah, he just kept doing the same old thing. But, I mean, he would have been doing that anyway, even if he hadn't had done film. Yeah. He yeah, worked definitely. on Alien, I reckon. And he was huge. I remember in like year 10, like in high school, just 
drawing sick stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Totally influenced by him and the art teacher going, uh, or some people going, oh, yeah, you know, there's no way we're putting that up in the school and the art teacher being like, yeah, yeah, do it. And I'm like, oh, man, you don't turn this thing upside down and see what I actually drew and you probably won't put it up. <laughs> That's what I loved about his stuff because being innocent when you're a kid, you're looking at it, you're like, what is that? And then you're like, oh, oh okay, that's what it is. It's a giant cock. <laughs> yeah, the phallic nature of his work is is very strong. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's intense, but yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a big one. He, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Still yeah, to this day to look back, it's quite unique. Yeah, even though he's not with us anymore, his art is, and that's that's another thing that's really amazing about art too. And I appreciate and I and I like about being an artist and the mark that you leave on this planet. I feel like you know myself as a creative, I'm hardly even close to where I need and should to be. But at the same time, I'm still pretty young. But like looking at Giger or any of these guys, they he's passed. He's not here physically any longer, but his work is, is here and it's here for a very long time and he's going to inspire people for numerous yeah. generations, you know, to come. And that's, that's to me is, is, um, super powerful. I guess that's his legacy. I mean, who are you, who are you being inspired by now? Cause I know, I mean, with Lost Boy and, and that's opening up a whole different uh, range of, of options, but also, you know, with the filmmaking and directing, are you still are you finding new, new muses or new sort of inspirations in different fields yeah so i try to be inspired every day by different people like right now i'm, I'm studying stephen king uh, i just got through dr sleep which i enjoyed it was a lot of fun nice. it was a very stephen king kind of book and that was a lot of fun um and i'm reading his book on memoirs which is really fantastic i love it I, yeah he's such a funny guy he's 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 uh and i didn't realize how heavy he was addicted to alcohol and drugs and stuff when he was writing it was pretty interesting and, and actually really um interesting and just cool to hear that he's human in a sense you know um and he bleeds and all that kind of stuff so so yeah right now i mean every, every week it changes and i'm trying to make sure that i spread everything out so i'll let steven steven's like inspiration influence like the art or how i'm writing this film that i'm developing and stuff so i think yeah. it changes you know and i think it's really important as far as we when we talk about influences like obviously you should be influenced by whatever you feel is cool but i think it's also great to be influenced by like wild cards because like i said nothing for my personal theory is that nothing's really original it's all kind of we're just creating i mean it is original but it's it's a derivative or uh, it's a combination of something from the past so it's, it's a seed somewhere yeah and and, and and to be completely honest some there's a lot of people who don't even know who gear is but they'll see your work and they'll see they won't even know who that, that you're influenced by it but they'll feel that energy and yeah. uh you know and then they'll be like this is fucking dope and for the new generation you're part of that kind of continuing ca carrying the the um the fire i suppose you know and that's part of i guess the lineage of people's influence on the world and giger as an example of a creative force is definitely one of those sid mead as well and mobius and all these guys you know um yeah frank miller and stuff but yeah i don't know it's been weird just for art in general I tr i'm trying not to be too heavily influenced by other artists so if that yeah. makes sense because my my level of skill is getting better and i'm realizing that i can mimic them too close if i wanted yeah. to and i don't want to get i don't want to be i don't want people to be like oh you're just ripping off that dude you know yeah you don't want to keep getting from the same tree <laughs> yeah well yeah exactly 
Yeah, I think that's inf- important. Do you feel that way too about your influences? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I notice. I mean, it, it comes back to that same thing when you start drawing. I mean, I don't know if you find it, but literally when I pick up a pen and start drawing, and I, maybe it's just a mechanism for like you draw something that you're, you're kind of used to and maybe it's for that like instant release of, oh, yeah, fuck yeah, I can <laughs> still draw. And then you do the next one, you're like, where you sort of venture away from your safe zone and, and ideas and shapes and forms that you've consistently drawn. You're like, oh, man, I'm shit. <laughs> like, I need to do that. Yeah, How do you deal it. with that? How do you get past that? I think now, I mean, A, buy a really cheap shitty sketchbook <laughs> so yeah. you don't care about destroying pages yes. I think like we had chatted about that you get a moleskin or something you're like oh the pages are so so smooth and so fantastic I don't want to wreck them with a shitty sketch and it's just yeah for me anyway be a slave to your sketchbook get, yeah yeah go and get like one dollar sketchbooks and just smash <laughs> out and I think when we're chatting we're messing around with like the um, I've seen a lot of people get onto it now is the old brush pen yeah those are fantastic the Pentel Which, brush pens are fucking awesome yeah, I'm, I, I was just doing a sketch before. I love it right when it's almost run out of ink because then you get the finest minds. <laughs> like before, it's just you've got to be so careful. I try to just wear mine down and right then you I, maybe I've just got to try a, a different pen. But I like doing really fine sort of line work and I think at the start, which is really cool because at the start you get those wonderful mistakes of putting down a line and you're like, huh, that could be this. Yeah, it forces you to try different things, I suppose. Yeah, and you yeah, but it forces draftsmanship as well, and some of those key practices. Like, <laughs> you got to think about what you're going to put down on that paper. Wrist and arm control and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm fascinated by this stuff. I love the process. I love um, the brush pen stuff. It's been really great, just kind of playing with that, trying it out, seeing how it works and stuff. Yeah. Um, it's it's a whole different way of dr- creating really because yeah you're just approaching it differently and stuff yeah that tactile feeling as well like I'm gonna be, i can't know, beat working, it oh, man working all day and, and doing digital stuff is is awesome but like getting home and just the satisfaction of doing a quick like sketch of whatever in the book with a pen and just using some ink and i don't know i think it's the same thing it's that same feeling of when you build something with your hands like you get ink on your hand and you're like oh cool it's like, yep, the day's done now. <laughs> like, <laughs> topped it off and now back into digital. The tactile feel of things, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. There's a really cool exchange that you get from it, and it's a fun, I don't know, creative exchange. The energy, the flow of it and stuff. Do you find, because you're using a Cintiq too now for digital stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. I've used that since starting in auto. Um, yeah, I've always used a Cintiq. Now I'm just on the, the small one because the big one got stolen. Yeah, I remember you telling me that. It's so horrible intense but yeah I, I mean the other I prefer drawing I prefer that for me this antique is more natural to what I'm used to yeah um, drawing I, on paper like to see what I'm putting down yeah I had a real hard time I mean at first I did um, then I got really good at it with the uh, um, Intuos ones where that you just like the tablet that you look at the monitor and then you draw yeah. but um yeah I got used to it and it was actually hard to transition into the Cintiq because I had used it for so long and then um, when I started using the Cintiq again, it all came back. And then my art got a lot better, I felt, because I had spent so many years just drawing like this. Um, it was, no matter how much I tried to work on with the other one, it just, I had a better connection with my hand and my eye. And at yeah. the end of the day, that's all that matters. You know, there's like a lot more consistency to smoothness and stuff, whereas the other one was challenging to get a really smooth line. 
So. Yeah, and some people just smash it. Like on the Intuos, like I think some people, I mean, I've, I know with the Intuos, it feels so much better on my back and I'm not hunched over all day. But I mean, I've seen like we had um, uh, Yana Shema, uh, Shema, I forget how you say her name, really Shwama. insane char- yeah, 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 character artist. And she was just using that and just the work that some of the people is just like, damn, there's no way, like, I need this antique, I need it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, everybody has their own, you know, vice and the things that they use. I think even, like, Aaron uses uh, Intuos, I think. Or no, it's, um, this, yeah, an Intuos tablet. So, yeah. Um, but everybody has their own thing. And I think, for me, it's always a matter of just what feels good the moment that you try it. And then just use that only if you can. And then just keep pushing yourself in because that's just the tool the real the, the thing that people are going to notice you for isn't your ability to use a tool necessarily amazingly well maybe they will but i think you'll be a timeless artist if you have if you can spend more time thinking about ideation creation and being yourself you know like sid mead yeah. it, sid mead isn't isn't this badass because he 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 knows gouache and how to use gouache well he's a badass because he's got a great personality and a great imagination and and I mean, those two combined, you're lethal, you know, and he's got the combination from those two, you know? Yeah. So what's next for you? That's a good question. You go <laughs> have a, raise a pony farm back in Melbourne? Yeah, yeah, pony farm, switch it up. No, I think uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep working, uh, just keep doing what I'm doing. I think freelancing is, is working really, really well. Good. Um, at the moment, and just, I think, just got to work at building and clients. It's great working in the studio and I think hopefully um, work on some film projects. I mean, I think that would be the ultimate goal I want to achieve. Some of that is doing some more um, concept work for film. Good. And then, you know, How are you going to get working. there? Well, at the moment, they've got quite a few uh, clients uh, coming through the studio at the moment. Um, so the work's available there. It just depends on the need. And the other one is, I think, you know, besides that, is just focus on my own personal work and hopefully let that bring in some um, some more work. But, yeah, at the moment, I think working in basically doing, you know, all these spaceship designs and all the other stuff that I can't talk about at the moment. Um, to these clients. It's, yeah, yeah, it has been great. No, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Damn NDA. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that's that's leading to it. Um, yeah, working with these clients has been great. With you know, Sony and a couple other, couple other things is hopefully going to turn into some other things. And yeah, just yeah, I think the ultimate goal is to be able to do your own stuff. I think you hear that from like a lot of people, but you know, to work on my own stuff. But then also, I mean, I think I find it a break. I love working on my own stuff, but then I also like having that break or having that balance between doing client work and then I think you appreciate your time more yeah. when, you, when you have that, like being slammed, working on stuff that I'd be doing in my own time anyway, but then when I get home, I'm like, okay, excellent. Now I can, even though I was still doing something cool, it's like now I can do what I want to do for me, not for somebody else or for an art director or for somebody who has obviously their vision that they're trying to, to get through. That's really when you sharpen your blade, I think, too, is when you're on your own and you're understanding and pushing your own self. That's when you have the time to really be good. You can be better, I think, at that level. I mean, you can be better at both times. You should always be learning and you should always be open to it. But from my understanding of how I got better faster was usually um, from the time that I was able to put in my own work. Because I was yeah. like, this is what, this is what I want to do. And, and then I'm able to sell that idea to somebody, you know, so... Or like, you know, it's like you do the work that you want to do, you know, 
Um, if you don't, then people are just going to keep buying it. Like example, like if you just keep doing, like I always say, like if you just, you do web design because people pay you and you've been doing it, but all along you want to do, like for you example, like, you know, you do great car design and you've worked in the automotive industry and you've worked with some of the biggest customers and clients ever of all time. And then you, you are secretly wanting to work on films because you're a weirdo like me. And, uh, and then all of a sudden you spend the time that you can on the train learning and, and honing your craft and, and, and studying and then until you're doing it and which is you're doing it now. And if you continue doing it at the pace and speed that you're doing now, then you should be doing it, being a production designer on bigger films um, in a couple of years. If you push hard enough, you know, cause there's a need, yeah. there's definitely a need. It's a monster. It eats people alive and then people are changing and it's shifting and moving around and stuff. So yeah, some guys have done some cool things. I mean, Daniel, Daniel Simon, who does quite mm-hmm. a lot of vehicle design, went yeah. through Volkswagen and, and a couple of different things. And I mean, that's not directly the path um, that I want to choose. I think really it's, I mean, for anybody out there listening, I think you just got to follow what is what makes you happy. And I think, I mean, for me at the moment, I'm I'm just using whatever time I have to to focus and, and craft my skills, and obviously expand uh, the areas uh, that I'm working on to you know incorporate more environment stuff and, and characters, and then just working on my own projects and and traveling. So wherever that takes me, yeah, it's going to take you guys to some really cool places i'm excited and eventually maybe we'll be working on something together and yeah uh, that'd be fun. cool hopefully make it over to the u.s i think um sometimes in the next year which would be cool so we'll have to catch up yes yeah you're due to come and see me now to go down and find some shawarma in san diego Dude, i'll show you the real shawarma the burrito yeah the san diego desert, yeah. style san diego <laughs> style Dude, we get we get down they're like a little baby like 12 to 8 to 12 pound babies baby burritos oh yeah. dude the epic yeah, stuff <laughs> man the mexican food oh yeah be boss yeah i'm looking forward to that yeah dude it's, a, it's the one thing with berlin like the food one thing about germany is they're eating well i mean it's all good if you like pounding sausages and <laughs> and, and half liter beers and like solid potatoes but yeah they're you know. still eating like in the dark ages and shit out there i noticed too i'm like dude oh. where, where's the veggies dude <laughs> yeah i know it's a killer like you've got to hunt out like in australia you're spoiled for like good japanese vietnamese thai yeah because you're close and it's yeah and it's not watered down either like here you go to like a vietnamese restaurant i'm like what what is this? Like, what, what is this junk? How much sugar is in this? I'm like, yeah. give me the chili. Give, yeah. me, the, give me the good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, yeah there was some good food out there I really enjoyed. Oh, there yeah. still is some yeah, really good yeah, food. Yeah, it's but. just different cuisine style and stuff. But yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> there, If you're not into like kraut and like slaw <laughs> and like potatoes and shit. It's food that you would eat. Um, if you were working, if you were working the yard, and like you know, if you're, <laughs> if you're, if you're out just burning up carbs like crazy, and you're just a savage beast like a baby Arnold, you know, it makes sense. But yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it's very interesting stuff, the food and the cuisine. But I, I really loved it, and um, yeah, I, hopefully I get back out there, maybe next year or sometime, get out to Europe and go frolic along, and try not to yeah. work next time. Every time I go out there, I'm working. It sucks. Yeah, don't work. We've got to go down and get some cars to go around the Nürburgring. Dude, oh man, 
I'd be like one of those idiots that like people are like flashing their lights on, like get out of my way. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be in like a, a Volkswagen Beetle or something or a van. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to give me like a really <laughs> shitty car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that was a goal too. We were supposed to go and take. I want. I wanted to rent like an M3 or an M5 or something and go on the. And hit the autobahn. The autobahn just t- turned all the way to the left, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Foot flat to the floor. It just keep going. Go. <laughs> yeah it's that's insane when you when you've got a car i think we had a when i was at volkswagen like the the group like it was audi and lamborghini and, and porsche and all that so we had a um an audi for the weekend where we drove down from berlin down to um austria <clears throat> and man this car was just i, I remember like getting nervous like you're sitting at 220 on the autobahn you're, <laughs> you're going fast yeah. like, this is insane walk speed and then like a, 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 a car and yeah it's insane like and then you'll have some guy in a, a KN and then you've got some gtrs and <laughs> you got some like porsche G- gt3s just going past you warp speed wow. and you're 220 and they're going past like it's like you are just in death mode <laughs> yeah i don't know if i need to go that fast <laughs> yeah maybe yeah. the maybe the, maybe it's necessary most yeah, likely it is <laughs> yeah, you, you know you want to do it <laughs> yeah dude yeah, definitely dude this has been a great talk i'm fine i'm glad we finally got a chance to chat a bit and um yeah yeah for sure there's always more to talk about oh man there's always yeah <laughs> we got got plenty of uh, hours we could fill with nonsense but maybe for another time yeah absolutely perhaps when you get a chance to kind of um, talk about your next stage and expose the work that you've done and kind of go into a process of how you did it and stuff. Maybe we can do kind of like a little case study of your growth and check in. It will be like a journal, like a little time capsule for you as you get older and grow and develop <laughs> in your career. You can use this as kind of like a, a funny thing to come back on every other year or so and yeah, laugh, laugh at yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, I think imagine in a couple of months time I might be able to share be good. I mean, that's the benefit of working in this as opposed to cars. Not very often you can actually share what you've been working on. For like 10 unless, years. Yeah, or unless the, the design you've done gets picked and goes into production. Otherwise, it's doomed for that like graveyard of sketches. The pile, the huge that, that, pile of piles. That, hit, that hidden pile of magic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's unfortunate. It's similar stuff with films, but it's not as large. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but at least you get a quick turnaround and I guess you get to see it relatively quick if it actually does happen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, just a matter of just, I don't know, sorting that stuff out. But that's all energy and stuff, you know, so. Yeah, just keep that jujitsu going. Yeah, dude. You should start doing it once you get your knee. But yeah, make sure you get your knee set up because, yeah, it's a, it's a knee torker. So yeah, my, that's My knee's all messed up right now. Yeah, I reckon I'd probably be snapped off at the knee joint if I went and did it now. I was meaning to go back. I think I was chatting to you about getting back into to another martial art. Just it's always been striking, but I mean, I did Aikido for a little while, and that was kind of that was nice. And I think Jiu-Jitsu looks really good when you're not getting punched in the face. But yeah, yeah. Also, the fact that you're going to get your arm talked off, and <laughs> like choked ah. out a couple of times. But I think, <laughs> but there is something intriguing about it. Yeah, it absolutely is. It's called the gentle art, so. You know, what can I say? Yeah, <laughs> that's what they call it, though. Seriously, it's called the gentle art. So, is that is that based on the Japanese jiu-jitsu? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I'm guessing. I don't know if it's the Brazilian one. The Brazilian, maybe it's different, but yeah, yeah. 
I'm down with both of them though. It so, all it's all fun as long as I can roll around with the dude and get sweaty. I'm totally yeah, down. Yeah, rub your sweaty pits together. <laughs> I'm always talking shit too, just being like, dude, I'm just gonna get sweaty, bro. Yeah, they're like, uh, I don't want to roll with Ash. He's weird. I'm <laughs> uh, not Ash again. <laughs> He's a big sweaty guy. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely pure enjoyment though. It's a lot of fun. Totally yeah, opposite from doing this, so it, which is good. I think I think everybody should have opposites in their life to go and enjoy it. You know, if you're a crazy person, try to get a family and, and sustain that, and see and see how that pushes you and makes you better. You know, or yeah, yeah. if you sit all day, then go do something that's crazy that isn't sitting. You know, I think it just shocks your mind out of your routine. Yeah, especially yeah. when you got a dude sweaty pit in your face. <laughs> <laughs> ass pit yeah oh, well, i was talking about armpit but I... <laughs> well on that amazing note we should probably end this conversation because that was awesome <laughs> yeah, i get back to work man and yeah back to work we go. In... yeah it's uh 1 p.m 1 p.m yeah all right nice yeah. back to work for you back to work i go and um yeah dude thank you again i really appreciate it it's, uh Wicked, man thanks for having me on send my love to rachel and i hope you guys are doing great and, um, Will do. I'll send I'll you a bunch spe- of porn on the emails. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll wait ten minutes from now. <laughs> I'll send it in exactly ten minutes. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> All right, buddy. Have a great day. <laughs> yeah, you take care. <laughs> Say hi to the family. Thank you. See you, buddy. All right, bro. Speak soon. Bye.